46 years. Can you open your mouth and shabak the Lord in this place? Oh, come on. Y'all chill out at a Redskin game. Oh, come on. 46 years. I was four years old. And God knew that I would be standing here. Hallelujah. While you're on your feet, amen, let's put our hands together and honor, amen, Pastor Davis. Come on, put your hands together. 51 years old. I'm 50 years old. I'm so encouraged. We honor Pastor, amen, Tony, amen. Come on, put your hands together for him. My God. So proud of you, your family. You're gonna do an outstanding job, amen. And um, I, I just have to, uh, and I hope I can just do this without crying. We thank, I thank God, for a man who I call Pop, who was the connector between these two, who set the pick. Um, we thank God for I yeah he, he set the pick amen for these two generations to connect he was the gap he was the bridge I thank God for pastor amen Thomas Pumphrey him and his lovely wife thank God for pastor David's wife thank God that they're they're pastors to you all but he's pop. I, I was filled with emotions. I had to go throw my arms around him. Um, because one of the things that, that, that a lot of men lack is a lot of um, examples of men who can be um, sensitive. Pastor Pumphrey will walk up to you and kiss you dead on your cheek and be all dude about it. Can y'all say amen? And... Um, um, I'll, I'll never forget this. I was in Tallahassee, Florida, preaching, and I got a call from him. And when I answered it, he was crying, and he said to me, son, don't give up on my son. At that time, David had walked away from God temporarily. And um, Pastor Pumphrey said to me, I wasn't talking to David, but his daddy called me. And he said, don't give up on my son. I said, never. I, I then just continued to pray for, for David. But for him to call me and say, don't give up on my son, let me know how much he appreciate me. When his daughter died, he called me. When David was tripping, he called me. When he got ready to be installed as a pastor, out of all the people that... He knew he called me. People can say they, can, they believe in you. But when they can call on you and be there for you, action speaks louder than words. I thank you and mom for believing in me. And I love you both. Amen. Now, let me, let me, let me do this real quick. Let's set the record straight here. Um, David and Shanika didn't tell all the truth. 
Yeah, they met it. Y'all can be seated. They met at the church. But when David was tripping, Shanika was working for me. And she had a hard time getting over David. And I told her, I said, if you're going to help him, you got to hurt him. And I'm just a transparent person. You know, it is what it is. I said, you got to hurt him. She said, what you mean? I said, shut them legs. I'm in trouble. I said, shut them legs. Oh, my God. When she did that, David went off on her, stopped talking to me. But me and Pastor was praying. So one day I got a call from David, and David said, Dad, I said, he said, I'm going on a fast for seven days, and I'll see you. And after those seven days, he walked in my office, and he said, he, told, he laid everything out, and he said, from this day forward, I'm going to serve God, and I'm going to serve you. Everywhere I went, David Pumphrey was with me. Y'all don't get it. Everywhere I went, I was bumping into David. And so one day, I said to David, I said, David, I said, you got a problem. He said, what's that? I said, Shanika's a good girl. He's like, yeah. I told him something. I said, David, Consider this. I can't say what I said to him, but I kept it real. About three days later, David was walking in my office after I said what I said to him. And he says, let's get married. And they've been together ever since. Can y'all say amen? Some of y'all wonder what I said. Meet me outside, I'll tell you later. But he came to me one day and he said, he said, Dad, I want to go home and I want to be with my dad. And um, I said, let's come up with a plan. And it, it just gives me great honor and privilege to see them standing here. And, um, see them serving and see David on Sunday morning getting ready to come into church. And Michaela and sometimes Michelle is coming out of the house at 7 o'clock in the morning. The same thing David used to do with me. He's now doing it with his children. And so I, I just honor them. And ICOG, I love y'all. I love this church. I love this church. And praise God. I'm going to get into the word, but I have some friends who's in the area. I thank God um, they're here. Um, Byron and Nicole um, Patterson. Can y'all stand up? Wave your hands, y'all. They got a new baby. Amen. Those are my friends. Pop, uh, they know you, but y'all would get along with them well. He's a Cowboys fan, and she a Redskins fan. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, a few years ago, um, I, I wrote a book. It was actually my first spiritual book. Um, it's entitled Coming Clean. It's a book about repentance. The first word that came out of Jesus' mouth was repent. It's a word that's foreign in the church today. We don't hear that word. The first word that came out of his mouth was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The last thing he did was made way for our repentance to get us back to God. So I hope and pray this, you would get this book. It'll be a blessing to you. 
Um, praise God. So that's that. First Chronicles chapter number 22. We're here to celebrate 46 years. First Chronicles chapter number 22. And David, being bossy like he is, sent me a text. What's your, what's your um, topic? What's your points? I don't know if that was for you all or for him. Amen. What's your scripture? First Chronicles chapter 22. I told him one through five, but I'm just going to read verse number five. Can you say amen? amen. Can you say amen? amen? Amen. If you stand for the reading of the word. And after you do that, you set back down. If you get back up, it'll be cause of choice. Second Chronicles chapter 22, verse number five. And David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender. And the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, of fame and of glory throughout all countries. I want you all to pay attention to this part of the scripture because when I discovered this, it was one of the most profound things that I've ever seen in the scripture. And this is what David said. I will therefore now make preparation for it. Watch this. So David prepared abundantly before his death. Father, we thank you. We glorify you. We thank you for 46 years of a vision coming into flourishing of Pastor Davis. We thank you for the mantle being passed to and through Pastor Pumphrey. We thank you, Lord God, for Pastor Tony. And Lord, we thank you for ICOG. Lord, I pray today that this word, as you've laid it on my heart, will not only challenge this ministry, but this word will challenge families. Think through my mind, Father. Speak through my vocal cords. Holy Spirit, I depend completely on, upon you. Thank you for making every gift I need available. Thank you for your fruit. Thank you for an unction to function. Satan, we bind you and we declare, decree and declare in this place and no weapon formed against the word of God. The messenger of God or the people of God shall prosper. Let the word flow with clarity. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you take your seat, I want you to look at somebody. You don't have to touch them because I understand folks scared about the virus. <laughs> look at them and repeat what the Lord laid on my heart. I want you to look them eyeball to eyeball and tell them, don't leave them hanging. Oh, come on. Say it with an attitude. Say, don't leave them hanging. Come on, clap your hands as you take your seat. October 2016, I found myself in a church not preaching, sitting on the front row, not hearing my favorite preacher preach, but at my father's funeral. I sat at, in that seat on the front row with sunglasses on 
with tears rolling down my eyes throughout the whole message. Periodically, my kids would look at me and wonder from their facial expression if I was okay. So I sat there looking at the casket of my father. I realized three things. I had prayed for God that he would save my dad and that he did. But as I sat at that funeral, three realities hit me. Number one, I had to deal with the fact that when he was alive, I dealt with the painful experience at that funeral of the, abu the abuse that me and my sisters and my mom experienced from him. Thursday through Saturday, Sunday, I hated weekends because my father was an alcoholic and he expressed his alcohol by abusing us. So I sat there with tears rolling down my eyes, having to deal with the abuse. Didn't know God, but I prayed that he would free us from it. And after being in a foster home, I went back home. And one day I come home and everything in the house was gone. And what he didn't take, they came and repossessed. So at that funeral, I had to deal with abandonment. Abuse, abandonment. But the other reality that we had to deal with was the fact that he had come back to North Carolina, got cancer, and he died. But while he was up in this area, he found the Lord. The other thing we had to deal with is the fact that when he died, he died with no insurance. So he left us a bill. When he was alive, it was abuse. When he didn't have the courage to confront us, he abandoned us. And when he died, he left us a bill. It was there at that funeral, some things that the Lord had been dealing with me personally, and revelation became real. And I heard the Lord say to me, don't leave him hanging. Last year, the Lord spoke to me. He says, son, there's three things I want you to tell your church and the body of Christ as, as you preach. And I thought it was funny because I hadn't been preaching a whole lot. He said, I want you to tell the body of Christ three things. I said, okay. He said, number one, tell them I need them to up their belief. Everything we do for God, we do it through our belief, our faith. He said, the second thing I want you to tell them is that I want to move in their lives hear me, outside of a building. I love this edifice. It is absolutely amazing. But we have to understand, as I heard Pastor David say, that we are the church. 
And if the world is going to get saved, some way, somehow, this faith that we have inside of these buildings, this excitement and the spirit of worship that we have inside of these buildings has to transcend outside of the building and understand that we are the ambassadors for Christ and God wants to do things in our life outside of the building to let the world know that he lives. The third thing he said, he says, son, tell my people that I need them to make bold moves. If you study the scriptures, every miracle that we read about, 98% of these miracles that took place in this book, Old and New Testament took place outside of a church building, but they took place because the people of God that he was using made bold moves. It is so easy to act like you're bold in church, but how many of us have a faith, amen, that transcends these walls where we make bold moves outside of the I'm talking about bold moves that make you look crazy in the eyes of people. Oh, oh, come on, ICOG. Holler at me. Look at somebody and say bold moves. The Bible is about bold moves. We preach about Abraham. God told him to leave everybody and go to a land that I'm going to show you. Amen. And he made a bold move. God told Noah, I need you to preach. It's going to rain when they had never seen no rain. And while you do it, I need you to build an ark and people going to think you crazy. And guess what Noah did? Noah made a bold move. God told Nehemiah to go to a place. Amen. Build some walls. You're going to come up against some stuff. Guess what he did? He made a bold move. Everybody that we read about made bold moves. The woman with the issue of blood. Bold moves. Paul and Silas, amen, at midnight sang and praised, sang praises unto God. Bold moves. Jesus dying on the cross was a bold move. When are the saints gonna start stop talking about their faith and start making bold moves? Here in this text, here in this text, the fifth verse, we see Pastor Pumphrey, David, the worshiper, David, the man after God's own heart, David, the one, amen, who sang praises unto God. We now see David making bold moves, and the bold move is this. He's making preparation while he was living for his absence. Can somebody say amen? I have a challenge, amen, to ICOG. It's not just a preach, an exciting word to celebrate 46 years, amen. I have the anointing of being a connector, amen, and I thank God for it because, amen, as I begin to think about this word uh, that he laid on my heart, amen, I, I, I realize that there is a challenge in this word, amen, and that challenge is to get ICOG, not just to see, amen, the generation of Pastor Davis, not just to see the generation and the work that Pastor Pumphrey did and not just to see the, the work, amen, that Pastor Tony is going to do, amen, but it's the challenge to get ICOG to look beyond yourself and see the generation after Tony and to see the generation after that. What will ICOG look like if the Lord tarries, amen, in the next 10 or 15 years? What what would this ministry look like? 
I'm concerned about the body of Christ, amen, as a whole, but I'm also concerned, if I may go here, about the African-American community. And my concern is, uh, Byron, that there is no true succession plan. Now, now we see a succession plan here. But we also have to face the reality, uh, are we preparing parents? It's amazing. I thank God um, for all the generations that's in this ministry. I've always talked about it. But one of the things that I love today is that I see all of these African-American men uh, here today. And I thank God y'all could have clapped right there. But the challenge is, men, amen, are we making preparation, amen, for our absence? My dad left us with the feelings of abuse. He left us with the feelings of abandonment. And if it wasn't enough, he left us with a bill. How many of us are making preparation for our absence? If it can't go on without you, amen, then it's not healthy. If it can't go on without you, if it dies when you die, it's not kingdom, it's an empire. And so what I, what I realized, amen, doing my father, you want me to switch? Amen. Fathers, amen, um, um, death, I came into a, a, a serious reality of a book that changed my life. It was a guy by the name of Thomas Spiro, and the book was entitled The Hidden Cost of Being an African American. And he shared in this book that one of the issues with African Americans is that there are no head start assets. You can Google it, but amen, the, the, the wealth um, um, number for African-American communities are projected to hit, amen, by 2053, zero. Now, what, what does that got to do with our 46th church anniversary? If we're struggling as a people financially, how are we going to support ministry? So the reality is, it's to, it's to speak a, a message, to share with you all, to wake us up, to understand that we have to start thinking generationally. God is a generational thinking God. We have to stop, start thinking generationally, but in order for us to do that, we have to learn how to delay our gratification. Last year alone, African Americans spent $60 million at McDonald's, $2 billion on Jordans, $4 billion on alcohol, and $9 billion on weaves and perms. But yet when we die, it's a GoFundMe account. $600 million, Jessica, on McDonald's, $2 billion on Jordans, $4 billion on booze, and $9 billion 
on perms, weave. Amen. Can't grow it. Amen. Sew it. That don't do it. Glue it. And now y'all got these things called units. We're more concerned with external image than generational inheritance. We got to think generationally. I'm almost finished. We got to think generationally. But in order to do that, we got to learn how to delay our gratification. In other words, we got to stop being selfish. We got to stop being selfish. We got to also stop thinking small. And thinking small don't mean you got to have a big house and big cars. Thinking, when you think small, that means, amen, you don't see beyond yourself. Which means, here's the other thing, we got to stop being selfish. How many of you are thinking small as it pertains to this ministry? How many of you are selfish when it comes to this ministry? You're not doing your part. You come for the 46th anniversary, you, you ain't even bi-weekly no more. You bi-monthly. How many of us are so short-sighted? See, here's the thing. When you look at the, 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 the other ethnicities, y'all, and I'm not being racist, I'm just being real. Just, I'm passionate about this. When we think about those other races, y'all, there is a thing called intergenerational wealth. They don't believe that they're set financially until their children's children's children are set. Oh, I, I know I don't lost y'all. I know I know I don't lost y'all. But but how many of you are saying, wait a minute, I see OG ain't set. Just because we made it through Pastor um, Davis and we made it through Pastor Pumphrey and now Pastor Thomas. Well, we, we're not set until we begin to see the generation after Tony and the generation after that. And we start doing things to put training and to put equipping into place to make sure that if we go home to be with the Lord, amen, the church is still going to be here fulfilling the original vision of the visionary, providing salvation to a generation. It's unfortunate now that our churches are driven by personalities and not purpose. That's why we see, we've seen it in the last 10 years that some of our major leaders have trans, uh, transitioned and went on with the Lord and their churches are falling in turmoil because there's no succession plan. See, success is what you accomplish, but significance is how you help other people be successful. And what we don't need is a church full of people who just think about success, but we need people. We need dads and moms, amen, who are going to do what they got to do to make sure that they're significant. Amen. When you're significant, you want your children to be successful. When you're significant, you don't sacrifice your children. You sacrifice for your children. Oh, y'all, does the mic work over here? No, I'm going to get rid of all them uncles in my house. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Uh, let me go back over here. I'm going to get rid of telling your daughter that's her uncle. How many uncles you got? Amen. 
And you'll wonder why all these little girls are getting molested. Because you keep bringing all these... Oh, don't say that up in here. Amen. Who ain't your husband? Amen. You, you, you're sacrificing your children instead of saying, I'm going to sacrifice for them and clean, clean. You ain't getting nothing. No ringing. You got to make sacrifices. My mom made sacrifices. Even though my dad abused her, she would work in the furniture factory. She would come home and sew and fix hair to make sure that ends made. My mom made sacrifices. Fellas, where we at? When are we going to start making real sacrifices? Stop making these babies if you ain't going to be present to raise them. What's between your legs don't make you a man, that makes you a male. When are we going to stand up and decide that I'm not going to leave my son hanging? I'm not going to leave my grandson hanging. I'm not going to leave my community hanging. I'm not going to leave my church hanging. When are we going to make up in our mind that we're going to make sacrifices for the next generation? People ask me questions. They say, Pastor Knox, you don't care nothing about ministry no more? Yes, I do. I'm like, why do you say that? Because every time we see you, some cat came at me on social media. You talk more about your business than you do your ministry. Well, fool, my ministry is my business. <laughs> I touch more people serving seafood than I ever have. No, no. Okay. Okay, watch this. I'm serving all this seafood and ain't never had it because I've been on a fast for two years and eight months. I have had no meat, but I've made thousands upon thousands of plates. But girl, people are getting saved. People are being prayed for. Why are you doing it? Why are you doing it? Well, when it came time for my daughter to go to college, I had no money, but I gave her a promise. I said, if you get into college, you can go, go to college free. And guess what? If I got to serve fish sandwiches, if I got to serve bologna sandwiches, if I got to serve ham sandwiches, ketchup sandwiches, I'm going to do what I got to do so my daughter won't have student loans. Oh, I can't hear y'all in here. Y'all quiet in here. Where you at? I worked till 9.30 last night, jumped in a car and drove up here. I hate I missed it, but I got to make sacrifices. I've decided that my children will not start from my shoes. They'll start from my shoulders. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Time out for generations starting from scratch. I didn't get the cake. I didn't get the ingredients, and I didn't get the recipe. We got to make up in our mind, we're not going to leave the next generation hanging. Little man standing right there. How old are you? Ten. Got to make up in our mind, we're not going to leave. Our COG's got to be not only here, but it's got to be vibrant. So we got to start thinking. And I challenge men. 
to rise up and begin to be visionaries. You got to make up in your mind, I'm not going to leave them hanging. When I see Byron, Byron came to, to the restaurant and I wasn't even there. And he called me, and he texted me, told me he was here. I went to go see him. The first time I'd seen him and his beautiful wife and the new baby. But to see the look on Nicole's face as she was holding the baby and to see him and to see and have conversations, I realized that the whole trajectory of his life has changed because Byron and Nicole are no longer thinking about themselves. They're thinking about that child. You got to learn how to delay your gratification. So, Pastor Knox, what do you got for us? Right in this text, there's five things that David gave Solomon that you got to give the next generation to make sure you don't leave them hanging. Fellas, y'all with me? Holler at me. Say, we with you. you. No, y'all ain't saying it loud enough. We with you. I'm driven by this. I don't want to be emotional. But everything I have done, I've had to do it from scratch. People, not me. But I had to do it from scratch. But I'm determined. Do you know what it's like to be while you're becoming? Being a man while you're becoming a man? And it seems like people are so intimidated, but all you're doing is surviving. So I, I just got, oh Jesus, I got five things I just want to share with you all that David gave Solomon that the Lord gave me. Number one, when you read it, David gave Solomon, this is the first thing you got to give the next generation to make sure you don't leave them hanging. You got to give them your presence. Okay, okay, okay. So, presence. I didn't say P-R-E-S-E-N-T. I said you got to give them your P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. -E. It's better to take them outside and play kickball with them than to give them a PlayStation. Oh, y'all, see y'all, 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 y'all. It's better for you to try to figure out arithmetic and all that stuff that you don't know, amen, than to put them somewhere in front of a computer and let them try to figure it out. Your kids, the next generation, Pastor Tony, you gotta be thinking about who's next and you gotta pour into the next generation. The next generation needs your presence. So that means that you're gonna have to cut off these cell phones. That means you're gonna have to get off Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat, amen and start chatting with the next generation. You got to give them your presence. Shout presence. The second thing, I'm, I'm getting in trouble. You got to give them your past. You got to give them your past. Quit acting like you done dotted every I and crossed every T. Amen. Amen. Quit telling your child. Amen. Your daughter. Amen. I just want you to save yourself. Tell her the truth. Tell her you was a hoe. Tell her you kept your legs open longer than a 7-Eleven. Tell her you had those days 
where you missed your period and you didn't know God, but you learned how to pray and you prayed for the blood to show up. Come on up in here. When are we going to keep it real, fellas? When are we going to tell them, I made mistakes? Everybody loves my son Jalen, and, and even with David, I never hide my struggles from them. I let them see me suffer. The new hermeneutics, amen, the, the, the new principle of reaching people, it's not hermeneutics, it's not exegeting, it's not expository preaching, it is transparency. I messed up. I don't want you to do that because I did that, done that, bumped my head, and wrote the book. I wish I had somebody up in here. You know you had a past. You know you did some stuff. You ain't proud of it. But you don't want your children and your grandchildren or anybody else's children to do what you did. Give them your past. Keep it real with them. Don't be fake. I don't need all this. I can't stand fake church. That's why I don't hang out with a bunch of preachers no more. Broke jokers. I ain't hanging around anybody I got a front. It is what it is. Yeah, right now my credit, you tell somebody my credit score, hey man, it's a 530, but it ain't going to always be like this. There was, come on, y'all. Ask your neighbor, are you fake? I, I started to say, is you, but I'm, I'm trying, I'm doing better. Give them. Give them your past. So in other words, you got to stop being high-minded. And you got to learn how to condescend to the 46 years. And you got to talk to them. Well, well, why, Papa? Why you don't want me to do that? Come here. I ain't been saved all my life. I done lost about 12 of y'all in this section right here. Come on, sometimes you just got to take the weave off, take the eyelashes off. No, 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 y'all, I'm serious. I, I, I know I'm a college dad now. I know I am because over the break, we got, my daughter brought kids home. Well, I mean, some uh, classmates with her. Y'all, and they, we, I took them out the other night. We went to the beach, and, um, and I took them to the beach, and we was hanging out there, and they was all dressed up the next morning. <laughs> Nicole, next morning, they come out the room. I'm, I'm ready to call room service. Call the police. I got somebody in here that I don't know. They done took off them eyelashes. They took off that makeup. They had the nerve to have a big old bonnet. Look like the Baps. <laughs> Pastor Puffer said, who's Baps? Lord Jesus. Yo, take this stuff off. Real recognize real. I need some young folk to holler at me. Okay, okay, so they need your presence. They need your past. Here's their thing. They need the principles of God's word. If you look at it, David told them, I can't build the temple because I'm a man of blood. I made some mistakes. 
He gave him his past. He gave Solomon his past. He gave Solomon his presence because how can you teach him this if you're not present? But then he told Solomon this. He says, listen, God done chose you. He didn't choose me. He says, but you got to keep God's word. Y'all got to let, we got to let these kids know the word works. The word going to keep them when they ain't around you. I put the fear of God in my daughter. She on that A&T campus, y'all, and that wasn't easy for me. But I tell her in a minute, the Lord there. Angels there. I went on that, went on that. When we moved her in, I was pleading the blood over every step. I go have lunch with her, but, but we got to give them the principles. Say the principles. Come on. We got to give the next generation principles. And not just the word, but we got to give them financial principles, financial literacy. We got to give them principles. I'm going to move on. Fourth thing is you got to give them patterns. David gave Solomon the pattern to build the temple. You got to now give them a pattern. And the first pattern you need to give them is your life. Follow me as I follow Christ. I'm speaking to ICOG. Y'all got to give these next generations patterns. Because this generation, they're going to ask you why. You can't just say because I said so. First of all, they didn't hear you say I said so because they was too busy looking at them. Parents, give them patterns. Let me no, no, no. Wake up. Let me tell you something. You are giving them patterns consciously or subconsciously. They are mimicking everything you do, whether you're unintentional or intentional. One of my daughters who attended our church, she put something on Facebook. She was trying to teach her son. She was teaching him, uh, little son, math, one plus one. And she would say, one plus one, Stefan, and he would ignore her. He, she was teaching him colors, and she would say, this is red, and this is blue. He ignored her. She said, one day, she hit her foot, and she said, O-H-S-H-I-T. And Stefan said, O-S-H-I-T. I just wondered how many times she done said it. Cause they do what's dominant. I'm, 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 you gotta give them your patterns. But you gotta be intentional. My mom, my mom when she, one of her, her jobs that she did to help ends meet is that she would sew. So on Saturdays, I thank God I was a, a dude cause she would make my sister's clothes. So she would go to Marquis Fabric and she would buy some fabric, but then she would buy these patterns. And then she would clear off the kitchen table and then she would lay the, car, the, the, the fabric on it and then I could just still see it. She would put the pattern on there and then she would pin it down. And then she would take the scissors and cut her, cut, y'all with me, y'all, she would cut it out. And then she would take that thing and put that sewing machine and she would put stuff together. And I was always amazed at it because once she finished, what? she had made look like what was on the picture. Could it be that your children look like now? 
what you patterned? I see OG leaders and ministers, if you don't pattern praying, if you don't pattern being on time, if you don't pattern serving through pain, they're going to pattern it. Man, if you don't come to church, he's going to stay at home and want to watch the game with you, daddy. If he don't ever see you worshiping, he don't ever see you praying. Whatever you do that's dominant is what they're going to pattern. Quiet. Will you please hurry up? I got one more. So if you're going to say amen, you better say amen now. Here's the one that blessed me. David gave him the pattern, but David also gave him provision. David couldn't build the kingdom, the temple, but he funded it. If you died today, how would your family be impacted economically? Would they have to delay burying you while they raise money for you? But yet and still, we could go to McDonald's. We could buy Jordans. We could buy alcohol. I know it ain't none of y'all. We got the latest wigs and weaves and units. But yet and still, a generation coming after us, starting from scratch. How do we compete from an African-American perspective when the other kids are starting out with 87% inherited wealth? Pastor, that's what you're talking about. We're at church. How are, we gonna, how are they going to fund the vision? See, let me tell you something. The, that generation is coming through. You don't reach them. They ain't giving you their money. They selfish. And if you ain't been real with them, see, let me, let me just help y'all with something. Pastor Tony, if I can give you this nugget. No longer can we talk about our vision for property. We got to think about the value we're going to bring people. Because money now is attached to value, not vision. They ain't starting our buildings. How all these churches and gyms and they're growing like crazy? Because it's all about value. Here's what I got. I'm going to go back to my dad's funeral. While he was alive, abuse, then he abandoned us, and then he died and left us a bill. It was there that I heard the Lord say to me, come tailing Jalen and Destiny, don't leave them hanging. I've been around some great national and international preachers, but they bore me now because their conversation is redundant. They're not talking about nothing but the, this, this other stuff. But they're not talking about what's important. No pastor has ever asked me that, I've been, that, I, that has served me. Do you have life insurance? What's your credit score? Do you own your house? 
Never. But they will ask me to sow my tides. I'm sick of that foolishness. Pastor Nas, why are you so passionate about this? I went to public school, nobody talked to me about it. My mom, my, parent, my mom did not know no better. I went to two private schools, they didn't talk to me about it. Hung around pastors, they didn't talk about it. So I have this anointing now to annoy people and talk about what they don't want to talk about. How do we take this out of this book? That David who started in a cave with men who was distressed, discontent, and in debt. Him and his men now given financial provision for the next generation. And if God can do it for David, he can do it for me, he can do it for you. We just got to believe that we're not going to leave the next generation hanging. Can't leave them hanging. It means that the, you got to make some decisions. I said to my son the other day, let, 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 I'm, I'm going to say this, man, I'm going to say this. There are three things that we got to do. We got to leave legacy. But we can't leave legacy if we don't build wealth. We can't build wealth if we don't own nothing. Y'all got to own this building. I'm going to say it again. Y'all got to own this building. I have this thing called the black owl. And the black owl is, is a very um, rare owl. So I come with this black owl. Black owl. Ownership produces wealth. Wealth produces legacy. We have to begin to think intergenerational. Interdenominational church. But what about intergenerational? There's intergenerational wealth. There's intergenerational mobility. But here's the thing I found out. There's a thing called intergenerational trauma. The little T and the big T. And through this study it says that things happen in a generation that's passed down to the next generation. I asked my son this question. I said, son, if something happened to me, what would you do with this restaurant? Would you sell it? Or would you keep it running? He said, dad, I'll keep it running. We got to start doing things that's billable and willable. How many of you in here in ICOG, if you love this church, how many of you have a charitable gift for this church? You have a life insurance policy. If something happens to you, or if you, when you die, that funds will go to this church and they'll name a wing after you. But I love ICOG. Some people are like, well, I don't even have life insurance on myself in my house. Okay, good. There's order. But we got to start thinking different. Well, Pastor Nas, I can't, I can't qualify. 
Okay, yeah, because of health bad. Stop drinking all these sodas. Exercise. My welcome to war out. Praise the Lord. On my daughter's birthday in 2011, I was meeting them at a restaurant and I had tears in my eyes when they walked in. I just felt a life insurance exam. I was 242 pounds. I was pre-diabetic. One of my sons in my church, I called him crying. He said, Pastor Knox, you can change this. 242 pounds. I stand before you right now, 199. I can't run their life like I want to from the grave. I got to be present. Today, I have an appeal. I'm finished. I want every man to come to this altar. I ain't forcing you. I want every man to come to this altar. If you have a, a husband, a son, an uncle, or, or a boo thing that's at this altar, women, I want you to stand up. This is absolutely amazing. This is amazing. Are you serious? Look. Dude right there with, with the baby in your hand. Is them your boys? Y'all come here. Come here. You and your boys, come here. Yo, I'm beyond preaching for you to go on Facebook and be like, he really preached us happy. I'm beyond that. I want you to have gotten mad at me today. I want you to leave and be like, you know what, dude? that joker ticked me off. I want you to leave him mad. I want you to leave here and be like, I got to go home and make some assessments. I got to check and see what's going on with my life. What, what, what are you at? Come here. Y'all, yeah, you and your boys, come here. Oh, just him? You got two girls? Oh, that was you. Ooh, you, oh, you you going to be a good one. Thank you. Them yours? Yeah, don't see See, if I was in the, say yeah! Y'all wouldn't heard nothing I said. <laughs> nothing. We have a responsibility, men, to make sure that we don't leave the next generation hanging. Holistically, spiritually, Emotionally, mentally, I cried on that man's shoulder right there. Cried. 
I see him in David's relationship and I don't know what that is. But I know he loved me. Last time I was here, I asked Pastor Davis to lay hands on me. I'm struggling with ministry. But I'm like, Lord, if you did that at 50 for him, I'm 50. He gave me hope. I want these young dudes, y'all young boys, to start paying attention. Stop being everything everybody else is. I want us to start having real conversations with our sons and our grandsons and our community boys. Because the truth of the matter, let's be honest, our own is exploiting us. Through entertainment, alcohol, all that fake life. And they think that stuff real, Byron, because we ain't keeping it real. We're two $2 trillion generate group ethnicity. If we were a nation, we'd be the 11th largest nation in the world, but we don't own nothing. Why? Because we're not thinking intergenerational. This is my assignment. Here's what it is. Let me tell you something. What's your name? Vince, see that boy? Mm -hmm. He carry your name. See them girls? They carry your name. That's your responsibility. Spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, financially, that's yours. They need your presence, they need your past, they need your principles, they need your pattern, and they need your provision. And God got you. You hear me? That boy just looked at you like, Daddy, look at how you're carrying him. Women, stretch your hands towards these men. Y'all, after I drop this mic, I'm out. Y'all can stop out there and buy a book. Dap me up. But I won't challenge y'all. I'm teaching something that I'm learning myself. I was 48 years old when I bought my first house. David was like 22. This dude is at six figures, getting ready to hit 200 grand a year. Follows me everywhere I go. Bought his first house at 28. How old were you? Oh, forgive me, 26. Show off. <laughs> the Bible says this, men. Y'all ready? And I'm going to pray. Again, a good man leaving inheritance to his what? Children. Children's what? Children. Intergenerational. But guess what the next? There's another one that says, the inheritance of the father is house and riches. That's God's will for your life. I believe that I'm supposed to leave my kids a house. Or at least help them get one. I want you all to receive the real anointing that's on your life. To be the priest, 
to be the prophet, to be the protector, to be the prayer warrior. But I want you to understand that you're the provider. And the next generation is in your loins. And I want you, I don't care what kind of hell you've been through. The curse has been broken. I don't care where you are financially. And whether it's in your spare time or part time or full time, there's a business in you. There's a business in you. And I want you to receive. I want, I, listen, I don't need your machoism. I need you to be vulnerable in the hands of God right now. And I want you to lift your hands while I pray over you. Father, my assignment is complete. You told me to tell him not to leave the next generation hanging. I pray first of all for this current leader. You would give him vision to see and insight and foresight to see the next generation. I pray for every leader here. And I pray for these people that they would think intergenerational. And Father, I pray a special prayer over every man at this altar. This is amazing, God. That they would receive their real identity. That you brought them out into a wealthy place. You brought them out into a healthy place. Father, I pray for them spiritually. I pray for them emotionally. I pray for them mentally. I pray for them physically. I pray for them socially. I pray for them financially. I speak that they're the head and not the tail. I speak that they're blessed going in and they're blessed going out. I speak, Lord God, that they're prosperous. And I now speak that they have vision to see the coming generation and the coming generations. And I now pray for restraint. And that they would make sacrifices for the generation and not sacrifice the generation. I pray, Father God, that you would do something amongst these men, even in this ministry, that will cause them to come together and begin to have real conversations. That will come to cause them to come together and bring and have real accountability holistically. And Father, I spoke it some years ago and I'm going to speak it again. That this place is paid for. I thank you for providing supernatural increase in the lives of these men. I thank you for debt cancellation. And just like in the last two years, you've supernaturally allowed me to cancel over $150,000 worth of debt. I pray debt cancellation. And that money can be used for wealth accumulation. It's in your son Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. I want you to hug five men. Hug five men and tell them we're not going to leave them hanging. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Come on, hug somebody, hug one of those women on your row and tell them we ain't gonna leave them hanging.
Come on, stand on your feet and just give God a thunderous praise. ICOG, happy 46th anniversary. Come on, lift your hands in here. Some things just shifted in my mind. Come on, things just shifted in my mind. We're going to give them our presence. We're going to give them our past. We're going to give them principles. We're going to give them patterns. And we're going to give the next generation provision. Throw your hand back and say, yeah! Jesus hung on the tree so we don't have to leave them hanging. Come on, step off the Lord in the... Come on, get excited about that cancellation. Get up, get excited about wealth accumulation. It is your inheritance. Get excited about your health. Get excited about being healed. Get excited about being delivered.
Somebody here that does not know Jesus. We're not leaving this place without giving the invitation. If somebody here does not know the Lord Jesus, you've not confessed Christ as Lord and Savior over your life, we want to give you the opportunity to come. That's what this is all about, so that we would be in relationship with the one true God, Jesus Christ. If there's somebody that wants to come, you can just come down now. We just want to welcome you. Love you in. Is there somebody that wants Jesus? You say, I've heard about Jesus. I want to give my life to the Lord. Is there somebody that wants to accept Jesus Christ? We want to give you the opportunity to come. Is there somebody that wants to accept Jesus? Is there somebody looking for a church home? You're already saved. You're already a believer. And God is saying, this is the place for you. Amen. I see you. Is there somebody else that wants to come? Say, this is the house for you. On this 46th anniversary, somebody want to come join this local fellowship. All right, we got something to shout about. Come on, somebody want to come. Somebody else want to come. Accept Jesus Christ or join the local church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In these last few minutes, if somebody want to come, it's not too late. Somebody say, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. Somebody want Jesus today. Somebody want to come. Somebody want to accept Christ. Somebody want to join a local church. Last 30 seconds, somebody want to come. Somebody want to accept Jesus. Somebody want to join this local church. Hallelujah. Before we just blow the roof off this place and celebrate, I just want to give somebody the opportunity. This is not about anything else, but about you and Jesus. If you need Jesus, he died on the cross for your sin. We don't have to die and be separated from him. We can have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Is there somebody here? There's no big eyes, no little use here. Just all people covered by the grace of God. Is there somebody who want to get saved today? Somebody want to join the local church? Amen, 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 amen. But well, we are all satisfied. We want to celebrate God's goodness, amen. We're not going to leave them hanging, but by God's grace, hallelujah. We're moving forward. He's given us the power to gain wealth. Amen. We're going to see the next generation know about Jesus, walking with Jesus, loving and serving people, spreading the gospel. Amen. Amen. Let's stand all over the building. We're going to be dismissed. You want to get your shouting? Go ahead and get your shouting. Pastor Nas got some books.